It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. If you haven't take problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but a Chris ain't one. Hit me. Now, from the ESPN studios in New York City, this is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Breaking news, Coach Steve Nash and the Nets mutually agreed to part ways. Steve just looks so tired of all the BS. It was constant, and increasingly in the last few days, he was just kind of done with it all. This season really just started to unravel the, the Kyrie Irving situation. This was becoming an inevitability. This was a situation that Steve Nash was not going to be able to navigate. The word I have heard used... From talking to people around the NBA today, Steve Nash was exasperated Yeah, with everything that had been going on with the Nets. He is out today as Nets head coach, and I don't think he's too broken up over it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I really I don't. I saw memes of Steve Nash, and it was Andy Dufresne from Shawshank Redemption <laughs> coming out of the tunnel <laughs> and, and, and putting his hands up in that little pond while the rain's coming down on him because he's free. Like, Steve Nash might have that feeling of freedom today. I ain't going to be shocked if Steve Nash in a couple of days is on a beach painting a boat somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be fair. I mean, it's been a circus since he's been named the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, hasn't it? It has. An absolute circus. And it's not his fault. It's not his fault. But here's the thing, Carlin, with the Nets poised to parachute Ime Odoka into this situation, do you think it's going to get better or worse? Because I don't see a path toward this team being successful this year. I just don't. Even though they're immensely talented – I don't think all of a sudden KD and Kyrie are going to change their stripes in terms of of putting all of the nonsense aside and putting the team agenda first. Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. Easy to bundle your home and car insurance at Progressive.com. We are on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app where you can watch us now by just opening the app and clicking the word, well, watch. Um, having said all of that about Adoka, I'm fascinated by a couple of different angles of this. Mm. Number one, I personally believe what happened here is that think back to the summer where KD wanted to get traded and then he didn't. Excuse, Excuse me, I just sneezed. Zoom time. I'm a double sneezer. Hang on, that wasn't pretty. <laughs> All right. I promise that's it. Okay. I'm a double sneezer. Okay. You're not. You sneeze once or twice? Uh, I mean, I sneeze once, but you might just be allergic to the BS that's going on with the Brooklyn Could Nets. be. Well, here's <laughs> the point. talking about it. <laughs> here's the point. With the offseason where KD wanted out and then he didn't, and Ime Odoka's situation in Boston, you know, those ran somewhat concurrently when they actually played out in the end. My guess is that, At some point when the Nets were trying to get back on the same page with Durant and they sat down and had a meeting, part of that meeting, part of that meeting of the minds was, listen, if things are not going to go right with Steve out of the gate, all right, we'll figure it out and we'll go to Odoka. Because we know that Durant loves Odoka. We know that uh, he has a long history with Sean Marks, the Nets GM. 
and he brought him into Brooklyn after he had been with him in San Antonio. I think, though, what you are really asking for is trouble here Mm. because Kyrie aside, we'll get to him in a bit. If you're going to bring in Udoka, and he is only two months removed from getting in trouble and, in essence, getting suspended slash fired, you have a lot of people in Boston, in that organization, I'm sure, who were affected by this situation, whether there were women who were uh, repeatedly given inappropriate messages from Udoka or any, any women that he might have been involved with in the organization, they were all under the impression, okay, he's going to either be suspended or he's for a year or he's going to be gone after that. Mm-hmm. And now he turns around and gets another head coaching job in the division two months later? How do you think they're going to feel about that? They're going to feel like he didn't get punished at all. And my read on it is, do not be shocked if you see more details come out about what was happening in Boston, if that's the case. Because if you feel like you were sold a bill of goods on there being some justice in the situation, and then it turns out this happens and the guy parachutes into another job pretty quickly... I don't know that I would feel great about it. No, I can't imagine that the people within the Boston Celtics situation feel great about Ime Adoka jumping into another situation, another team that has two all-NBA caliber players and then a third guy that's been an all-NBA performer once upon a time in his career when he was with the Philadelphia 76ers. I, I can't imagine that the Boston Celtics feel great about it, but the fact that they're willing to let Ime walk away with no compensation coming back to them speaks to how egregious they think the violation of trust was. And introducing that into an already combustible circumstance with the Brooklyn Nets doesn't seem like the direction that Sean Marks and Joe Sy should go in. But desperate people do dysfunctional things when it comes to professional sports. And this move reeks of desperation. And Carlin, you may be right. This may be a situation that evolved on the net side once we realized that Ime Adoka was on the outs with the Boston Celtics. This was a possibility in KD's mind once we saw that relationship with Ime and the Celtics deteriorate, and it could have been a setup. It could have been uh, a proposition if the Brooklyn Nets struggled early on in the season that they would move off of Steve Nash and they would go after Ime Adoka. The problem that I have with that is, with KD already saying that he wanted a trade earlier this offseason, with Kyrie Irving throwing a tantrum because he didn't get the contract extension that he wanted, and then the recent, I guess, crisis that he's created within the Nets with promoting anti-Semitic materials and the owner having to answer for it, I just don't understand why Brooklyn would acquiesce to anything that these two guys wanted. Now, when we look at on the court, what is Ime Adoka known for? Coaching guys hard and making sure they play on the defensive end. That's when things started turning around for Boston. In the second half of last year, Boston was the best defensive team in the entire NBA. The Brooklyn Nets, with Katie and Kyrie here, have been anything but that. Mm-hmm. They never finished better than 19th, Carl, and they were 23rd the first year that those guys were on the court together. They were 19th two years ago, and this year they're 30th. They ain't but 30 teams in the league. They're dead last in defensive efficiency. I, I just don't know 
that Ime Doka, even though those guys are tapping him on the shoulder, is going to be able to get KD and Kyrie to buy in to playing defense and being the best at that end of the court as those guys are on the offensive end of the Chris, court. Chris, I don't think Pat Riley could walk in and fix this. Yeah, those guys aren't going to be committed to that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I don't understand why you're why you're bringing in that kind of headache into your franchise What you are you've doing, already got problems. You are adding layer upon layer upon layer of drama to your situation, thinking that somehow each layer is a tourniquet. But it's not. All it's doing is opening up the wound even further. Yeah. And I'm blown away by it, to tell you the truth. And Idoka's not going to come here and fix this. No. Uh, I do think this was the plan. And I, I talked to some people around the net today. Let, let's talk about the Kyrie part of this. I don't think they did anything. Anything they did today had nothing to do with trying to appease Kyrie Irving. None of it. They couldn't care less about what Kyrie Irving uh, thinks today. I think the Nets, outside of the Joe Sy statement, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I, I hate to cut you off, but here's the thing we have to keep in in its proper perspective. It might not have been created by Kyrie Irving, but Kyrie Irving factors into the math with this decision because it's what Kevin Durant wants. Remember, Kevin Durant didn't have an issue with the organization until the organization said. We're going to take a stance on Kyrie Irving. Well, Chris, let's be clear. That's Kevin, where the relationship Kevin fractured. Kevin Durant has blown the Nets organization apart. But, 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 Carlin, all I'm saying is the relationship between KD and the Nets was fractured when the Nets said that they were going to take a stance against Kyrie and they weren't going to give him a max extension that he wanted. That's when it was fractured. And so this might be a situation where the Nets are trying to engender some goodwill from Kevin Durant by being willing to move off of Steve Nash and get him the next head coach that he wants. But here's the deal. The reason why Steve Nash was the head coach, because he was the guy that KD wanted. It, look, Chris, I, I just, it just doesn't make any it, sense It's fine. <clears throat> you can't, we can't take out what just happened with Kyrie because that's everything right Yeah, you now. can't parse, you and can't separate the two. That's what I'm when saying. You, when you have the anti-Semitic uh, statements that were promoted by him, and in essence, double down upon, that wipes Kyrie out completely to me. And if I'm KD, there's nothing you can stand by there. There's absolutely nothing you can stand by there. Now, look, Kyrie, as far as the organization is concerned, I don't think for a minute that he's going to be there that much longer. There are people in that organization that are really not happy with what happened, with what he said, and they're going to continue to sit there and say, Wait a second, that guy works for us? You know, no, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think they're going to continue to make their voices heard. You saw the NBA today. You saw the NBA PA today. You've seen organization after organization come out and condemn what Kyrie has been saying. And you have not seen him even blink. Not even blink. That's a problem. He won't be here much longer. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, has one trade deadline move sent a team from pretender to contender. That's next on ESPN Radio.
Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Katie and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hey, did you know that the World Series is on ESPN Radio? Presented by AutoZone. Catch all the action tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and SiriusXM Channel 80. All right, when we want to know who's number one, there's only one place we go. And that is to Chris Canty. You want to know who's number 12? Okay, go somewhere else. This is not the place for you. This is the place for you if you want to know who's number one. Each week, only one team can top Canty's NFL power rankings. No more. Who? Who's number one? Find out now. It's who's number one. Oh, yeah. Number five. Let's go to the NFC North with the Minnesota Vikings. Carlin, the Vikings, impressive win against the Arizona Cardinals at home on Sunday. They put Jared Allen into the ring of honor in style. The way they won that football game, of course, it's going to be led by that high-powered offense with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, and Dalvin Cook. But they also got it done on the defensive end, too, Carlin, with Zadarius Smith bringing up three sacks, including the game winner on Kyler Murray. This is a team that's top ten in scoring, and Carlin, they can rush the passer with Zedarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. I like the Minnesota Vikings. And if you had any doubt about them winning the division, keep this in mind. We're going into week nine, and they have a four-and-a-half game lead on the next closest team. Just saying. Mm. Number four. The Dallas Cowboys. How about those Cowboys? As Jerry Jones said, he ain't cruising no more. He's got to get it done right now. It ain't about the future. It's about the here and now. And the Cowboys played like it on Sunday. Dak Prescott had a really impressive performance. Carlin, only two incompletions in his first 13 passes. Kellen Moore did a great job of being able to get him into a rhythm. 
the thing that impressed me the most about what they did against the Bears, they were perfectly balanced. 28 called passes, 29 run plays. We've been saying that's who the Dallas Cowboys need to be. That's the formula that they rode with Cooper Rush on top of that, having a dominant defense. And I know we've got money on Micah Parsons being the MVP of the league. Mm. He helped you out with that big play. Returning a fumble for a touchdown yesterday, scoring on defense is never a bad thing. The Dallas Cowboys, a dominant defense and an offense that complements it. I like this football team. They're in the conversation for second best in the conference. Number three. Number three is the Buffalo Bills. And before you at me about the Buffalo Bills, here's what I'll say about this team. Sunday night was not an impressive performance against the Packers. No. It just wasn't. The Packers were able to ring up over 200 yards on the ground. Now, I get it. Some of that was the Bills seeding that because they had a double-digit lead. But still, when you looked at it on tape, it's not a good look when your defensive front is getting pushed around in the run game. And that's a team that struggled to have that balance on the offensive side of the ball. There were just some things I didn't like. The turnovers in the fourth quarter in plus territory by Josh Allen. Not great, Bob. They can't run the football consistently. They did have 160 yards rushing against the Packers, but everybody runs on the Packers. This Bills team can't run when it matters most, especially when they're trying to close out games. That is concerning for me. Not being able to run the ball, not being able to stop the run, it's not the formula for success with postseason football, and that's why they're number three on my power rankings when a lot of people have them as the top team in the NFL. Number two. The Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. And people are asking me, well, how the hell can the Chiefs be second and the Bills are third where the Bills beat the Chiefs two weeks ago or three weeks ago now? I'll tell you how. Because this is power rankings. This ain't damn standings, okay? (laughs) Head-to-head doesn't matter. When I'm basing this off of who are the best teams in the National Football League and the best offense in the National Football League by far is the Kansas City Chiefs. And they got the offensive EPA to show for it. And, Carlin, this is a group on the defensive side of the ball that's only going to continue to get better. George Karloftis comes into his own. Trent McDuffie comes back off of the IR. This is going to be a better defense than they've shown in the first half. In the second half, and then, of course, all of those new receivers that Pat Mahomes has to work with, those guys are only going to build more rapport, get more familiar with the scheme. This team is a buzzsaw, and we saw that when they played against the 49ers last week, and they rung up 44 points on the best defense in the NFL. Number one. We know who's number one, right? Yeah. We know who's number one. You know who's number one because they boat raced your team in the link on Sunday. I mean, that's what happened, right? Yes, that's what happened. It was the A.J. Brown show for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Carlin, if you had any doubts about A.J. Brown and whether or not that was the right move to make, Those were eliminated in that game on Sunday. I just remember A.J. Brown dunking on not one, but two Steelers DBs. And when he got into the end zone, he pointed at both of them and told them they didn't have enough guys. He got a taunting flag, but so what? Who cares? They won the game 35-13. This is the most complete roster, top to bottom, in the National Football League. The only question about the Philadelphia Eagles is can Jalen Hurts win in the postseason? But, Carlin, looking at the remainder of the schedule, it might feel like it's a little bit early. No. But it's not outside of the We're realm of possibility. We're talking about two weeks ago. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that the Eagles could run the damn table. Just putting that out there. Mm-hmm. Got two problems. What's up? Uh, number one, Ravens out. Yeah. Ravens out, and they yeah. went and got Roquan Smith. Yeah. Ravens out. They're out. They're out. You're finally giving your due to the Vikings, so you're high on now. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, the Dolphins not in there again. And they just went and got Bradley Chubb. 
Yeah. And they came back the other day and looked pretty sharp. Okay. That's all. Just pointing it out. They look they look sharp. They didn't look sharp to me. They beat the fuck they beat the freaking Lions. <laughs> the Lions. I gotta contain myself. They beat the freaking Lions. Yeah. Stop it. They were down twenty one seven in the first half of that game. They weren't sharp. Now I mean offensively in the second half they J- look pretty Jaylen sharp. Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill look pretty yeah. damn good. Two look yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Two look pretty good. Two look That's pretty all good. I'm saying. Look good. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Ah, yes, the first college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Committee meeting down in Texas. Heather Dinich is down there. Of course, ESPN college football writer. She joins Canty and Carlin now on ESPN Radio. Heather, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty, so let's get right to it. Not waste any time. Who are your top four going into tonight? Well, my top four could be very different from what the selection committee does. I've had Ohio State number one since this preseason. I'm sticking with them right now. They played their worst game of the season, arguably, for three quarters against Penn State, and they still scored 44 points. So they're pretty good. <laughs> I, think the, I think the selection committee, though, might go with Tennessee or Georgia. Guys, it really depends on what this group values, whether it's eye test or resume, and if you're looking at resume, nobody has a better resume than Tennessee right now. They have the best win in the country against Alabama. They just beat Kentucky with arguably their most complete performance to date. They're number one in ESPN strength of record metric, which I love because for people who don't understand it, it tells you the average top 25 team, what chance they'd have of going 8-0 against Tennessee's record, and it's an 8% chance. So Mm. they've been really good against good competition, but it wasn't until the Kentucky game we saw them put it all together defensively. So that's why I think Georgia could also have a shot because they're number two in the FBS defensively, and they've been one of the consistently most complete teams in the country. But, guys, you can argue number one all day long. So I can't wait to see what they actually wound up doing. You can make a case for those three teams for sure. 
Heather, you're the best in the business because you're leading me right into my next question. Ahead of a huge matchup between the Hedges down in Athens, between Georgia and Tennessee, what's the path to the playoff for the loser of this game on Saturday? Well, it's much more difficult for Georgia if they're the loser. I think they need to win this game more than Tennessee, and that just got more difficult without their defensive leader, Nolan Smith, who's out with an injury. So, to me, if Georgia loses this game and they don't win the East and they're sitting there at 11-1, and their resume is going to come under the microscope, and they are going to be clinging to that season-opening win against Oregon, and I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't think it would be because you've got Tennessee then winning the East with a win against Alabama in the regular season. If they lose to them in the SEC championship game, who cares? <laughs> one and one. I think they both get in. Easy peasy. But if if Georgia wins and you have Tennessee sitting there at eleven and one and Bama wins the SEC, I think it's much easier for the selection committee to justify Tennessee in because they're sitting there with a win against the SEC champs. It's a much different conversation. Heather Dinich, ESPN College Football writer, joining us. The first rankings are released tonight for the college football playoff. Heather, what's the path, uh, assuming that we get Michigan and Ohio State undefeated, squaring off uh, Thanksgiving weekend, what is the path for a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State team? Well, one of the things I'm paying attention to tonight, guys, is does a three-loss Notre Dame sneak into this top 25? I mean, if you look at the AP poll down at the bottom, well, questionable. You got some liberty in there. Okay, let's see what the committee does with some of these three-loss. They'll find a way. We know that. They'll find a way. (laughs) (laughs) They'll find a way. They'll find a way. But the loser of that Ohio State-Michigan game, that's when the resume comes under the microscope. And at least Ohio State does have that Notre Dame win. You look at Michigan's non-conference schedule, Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, those three opponents as we sit here today are a combined 8-18, and I think is what I added up the other day, 8-18. and (laughs) And, again, when you look at the opponents in the top 25 tonight, does Maryland, sneak in there because if they do that helps Michigan down the stretch right now you're looking at Penn State as the best win for Ohio State and Michigan where are the Nittany Lions rank I mean look guys I don't think they're that great they they're not ready for prime time they played very well and like I said Ohio State still got them in the fourth quarter Heather let's go out west and take a look at those Pac-12 teams I think the committee could have as many as three teams in the top 10 with Oregon UCLA and USC Do you see any of those teams being able to make a case or make a run at being in the Final Four this year? Any three of those teams you just mentioned, if they finish as a one-loss Pac-12 champ, are going to be in consideration. I'm very curious as to where Oregon is, how high they're ranked, and those other one-loss teams, uh, because it it all depends on what happens in those other Power 5 conference championship games. And, And I'll throw Clemson in the mix, too. What if Clemson loses on Saturday at Notre Dame or loses to their rival South Carolina? That is very helpful to those Pac-12 contenders. So I wouldn't count them out just yet. It could be a problem if two-loss Utah winds up winning the Pac-12, which it could do. But I'll remind our listeners that the Pac-12 scrapped divisions. And so that could help the league because you're guaranteed to have the two best teams in that conference playing each other for the conference championship this year. Heather, awesome stuff. Thanks. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, guys. 
Heather Dinich, ESPN College football writer, just laid it all out for you right there. As perfect as can be. It's crazy now, to think that the Pac-12 has three teams that could potentially be in the top ten of the initial CFP rankings. Plus, it's going to be moot anyway because Michigan loses this week as it is. Wow. Stop yourself. It's not happening. What would we call that one? The miracle in Piscataway? I haven't started working on what I would say yet. Oh, okay. I'll let you know. I'll just hope that they don't lose by 78 like they had once upon a time. Again, that was about five years ago. It was a bad, bad, bad night. Yeah. It was a bad night. Okay. I don't... I think they're poised for another bad night. And it's a night game, if I'm not mistaken, right? It is a night game. It's going to be another bad night for Rutgers. I can promise you that. Good luck with that. All right. All right. We'll see. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, a big concern for a big-time prospect in the NFL. Plus, is Odell Beckham Jr. headed to a team that we didn't even think was a possibility? We'll discuss next. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Jets GM Joe Douglas spoke just a little while ago after the trade deadline passed and said the following. Chris, here's the quote. We're going to be tough to beat when we take care of the ball. Just focus on the turnover battle. Focus on eliminating the self-inflicted wounds. And that's not just for Zach. It's for the entire team. It is just for Zach. It is just for Zach. Because you had to put out that disclaimer, right? Yes. That's what it's all about. My quarterback has thrown five interceptions, three on Sunday. That ain't what we're looking for. We have a defense that's championship caliber, Carl, and their defense is sixth in total yards and 11th in points allowed. Pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, if they could just avoid the self-inflicted wounds, the mistakes, you're talking about this team being able to waltz into the postseason. Carlin, if they go 500 from here on out, they'll be a team that wins double-digit games and should be in the playoff picture as a wild card. All right, but the Wilson thing is going to continue to bother me until I see him consistently make the right plays. I don't even care, Chris, about him making big plays down the field anymore. What I care about him is not turning the football over. Mm-hmm. And my issue there is is simply that if it continues, then if you're the Jets, with the roster that Douglas has assembled, I would act sooner rather than later on the quarterback front. Yeah, I would too. I uh, and, and that would means too. whether it's drafting a guy next year in a deep draft or going and getting somebody that's established. Well, here's what I would do. Jimmy Garoppolo reworked yeah. his contract where he can't be franchise tagged this offseason. He's going to walk away from San Francisco unencumbered. What's wrong with reuniting him with Rob Sala and having him in a Mike LaFleur's offense? It's the same offense he's running out in San Francisco. They come off of the same tree, LaFleur and the Shanahan's. It's the same offense. Why not have Jimmy Garoppolo come over and operate this offense with Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall and Corey Davis and Elijah Moore? It seems like it makes a whole lot of sense. And here's the beautiful part about that. It's just money. I don't have to move off of Zach Wilson. I can let Zach Wilson sit on a bench, continue to try to develop him, while Jimmy Garoppolo is out here winning games. So I've got one eye toward toward now and one eye toward the future, and I can use my draft capital to bolster other areas of my team. Look, they are, dare I say, the Jets are built to win in the short term. They are built to win soon. They're built to win now. Yeah. They can be a playoff team this year, Carlin. And this year. They could do something bigger next year if they have the right guy in place doing it. And you cannot screw around with that, especially with the way this has gone for this fan base for as long as it has. When the door is open, 
you cannot close it by not admitting a mistake or at least by not trying to fix a mistake and at least put a tourniquet on it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Canty, I, I, I am uh, fascinated by what Joe Shane said earlier today. The Giants GM. He was speaking after the trade deadline passed and came out and said that they would be open to the possibility of Odell Beckham Jr. returning to the Giants. I love the idea of it. I love the idea of it. It's clear that the culture has changed in the building, right? It's not the same as when Ben McAdoo was there or Pat Shermer or Joe Judge. It's a different day with the New York Giants, and being able to have that reunion with Odell makes a lot of sense because there have been a lot of swings and misses when it comes to trying to bolster the receiver corpse, right, Carlin? They spent big money on Kenny Galladay a couple of years ago. Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, has more touchdown catches over the last two years than Kenny Galladay does, okay? That's saying something, Carlin. The left tackle has more touchdown catches That's more than, than, the saying guy, something. than the guy that they're paying $20 million a year to catch passes. That's unbelievable. Kadarius Tony swinging a miss. You had to trade him away for pennies on the dollar. So it makes sense to try to see if you can kick the tires on Odell. We know Odell wants to be in New York or L.A., nowhere else. So if you can get him for just cash and not have to invest any significant draft capital – that's something that's going to make sense, whether it be for Daniel Jones or whoever's going to pay quarterback for the New York Giants in 2023. So I like the move in the short term because the Giants figure to be a playoff team this year. But I also like the move for the long term because I think Odell can help a young receiver at this stage in his career. We saw what he did to help Matt Stafford last year out in L.A. I just don't know what he's going to be able to do and when he's going to be able to do it. Like, to me, it has to be a playoff team that, first of all, he's only going to want to go to a playoff team. Well, the Giants are a playoff team. Right, but I'm talking about a playoff team with a chance to really do something. And and I don't know that the Giants are that right now. Well, there isn't a playoff team that can do anything in the L.A. market. No, it doesn't have to be L.A. Where no, no, it doesn't. No, see, that's the part that you're missing. It does have to be L.A. or New York. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. I'm sorry, he wouldn't go to Kansas City? I mean, he might he might consider it, Carlin, but we're not hearing a ton of chatter about Odell in Kansas City. I can't imagine him being there. I, I just can't. All right, listen, that's fine. If he wants to go to L.A. or New York, that's great. Why didn't he stay and work out in L.A. with the Rams? They were basically willing to do all that. 
there's not an L.A. team that's a great fit for him right now. And where he is, Chris, this is February when he got hurt, mm-hmm. when he tore up his knee. Yeah. February. How do we know that when he comes back that it's all going to be fine by the time we roll around and in November, December, mid-December? We don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be, at this point, worth it to bring him in this year. Somebody will. Somebody's going to bring him in this year. But I don't think he's going to do what he did for the Rams. Well, he has an opportunity to be selective about the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Sure, but I'm saying whatever opportunity it is, I don't think he makes a huge difference. I I think it's too soon to say he's going to make a huge difference. Maybe next year. But right now... Eight months removed from a torn ACL? We, it's not like we haven't seen guys come back in that timeline. The, the but, question, but have they been dynamic in that timeline? Or have they just been guys? Well, what I'm simply saying is because he re-injured the ACL that he's had a reconstruction on previously, that's what gives me more pause in this situation in terms of what he can be this year. But I do think Odell can be a contributor to a receiving core somewhere. He might not be the guy that we remember in a Giants uniform when he was making one-handed catches, but Odell I'm, I'm still... even talking about the guy last year. Well, I, I think he has a chance to be some semblance of that guy. Yeah. I think he d- can create separation down the field in man-to-man coverage. I think he can do those I things. I think he's asking a lot at this point to expect that to happen uh, right now because we, we are, a lot of us are sitting here and talking about, and I'm not saying you, a lot of us are talking about Odell as if he's going to come in and be Odell. He's 29 years old, Carlin. Yeah. He's 29 years old. So I, I do think there is more tread on those tires. We just have to wait until he gets healthy, and then the, the playoff picture has to become a little bit clearer. But if the New York Giants are barking up that tree, I think Odell is now in a place in his career and in his life from a maturation standpoint where it would be a good fit. And, oh, by the way, this is a guy that has a championship under his belt now. So he knows what it takes, and he can help a young locker room, a young quarterback figure those things out. Now, that thing, adds a tremendous amount of value to any squad. The thing that I will say is that in talking to people that have been in the locker room with Odell, players absolutely love him. Yes. Love him as a teammate. Mm-hmm. They have no issues there. His, It's like we were talking about, who were we talking about the about this with the other day? Um, I think it was with the Giants. When he's away from the team, that's where the problems seem to start. Kadarius Tony, yeah. Yeah. And when Odell was away from the team, that's where the problems seem to start. So but you don't have those problems anymore. Odell's lifestyle is completely different than when yeah. he was in a Giants uniform. He's married. He's got a kid. Like, he's he's in a different place in his life, Carlin. Mm-hmm. But he's also in a different phase in his career. He's not the young guy anymore. He's the veteran. And he's going to bring a lot of those intangibles and help a lot of the young guys avoid some of the pitfalls that he experienced. And now here on the flip side, one thing I was talking about before, Trevor Lawrence. Doug Peterson said that he wants Trevor Lawrence to be more aggressive. And we was talking about uh, some of the plays the other day and the interceptions. He said, quote, obviously he saw something he thought was there. And again, we just continue to teach it and coach it. I'm not going to take the aggressiveness away from Trevor. I love that part about him. At the same time, we've got to be smart. It's the most important thing for a young quarterback, especially one as talented as Lawrence is, to be able to somehow balance. Yes, I'm going to go after it, but I'm not going to be stupid. And I felt like there were a couple of times the other day, not necessarily on the last one, but on a couple of those interceptions the other day, they were pretty bad. No, they were bad. I mean, the one when you got first and goal at your own one-yard line and, and you got a sprint out, 
if it's not there, don't force it. Throw the ball away. Yeah. Throw it into the third row in Wembley Stadium. Why are you trying to force it in, worst of all, letting Justin Simmons get his hands on the football? Of all the guys in that Broncos secondary, two guys I'm not going to let intercept the ball, Patrick Sertain and Justin Simmons. How much Those do you, things can't happen. We talked about the class of 2021 yesterday. Yeah. How much do you believe Lawrence is still going to be really good? I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to live up to the promise that he had coming out of Clemson. We said that this was the best first overall pick since Andrew, since, since Andrew Luck. Yep. This is not what Andrew Luck was. Andrew no. Luck stepped in day one, transformed the Colts. Yep. I thought it could be a similar situation with Trevor Lawrence. I don't know that Trevor Lawrence is ever going to live up to that billing. I don't. I think he can be a good quarterback, but I don't think he's going to live up to that. And I don't know that he's going to be the best quarterback in his draft class. Right now, he's not. I still believe he can be, and I still believe he will be.